we really need to lean in to what we're already doing every day with our content, which is inspiring discovery. A common thing we hear from users all the time is that when they're watching our shows or even our commercials, they're inspired to purchase products and we make it so hard for them to do that. If they see something on a TV show, an outfit, a pair of shoes or something in the home, they're left to their own devices to go do a web search, click on a sponsored link, land on an e-commerce site, think about buying the product and then maybe get retargeted on a social channel before they finally convert. When we've already inspired that moment, we can, through technology, drive that transaction right there at that moment of inspiration and show the value to the retail brand that we've actually delivered through our content, our advertising. Okay, imagine this. Imagine if you were able to say that within any four weeks, your company was able to reach 95% of homes in the US. That'd be wild, right? Well, that's exactly what NBC Universal has access to. 95% of homes, wow. And that's why in recent years, they've started to focus more on creating shoppable content across all platforms to really take advantage of the audience that it has at its fingertips. And on this episode of Up Next in Commerce, I talked to Evan Moore, the Vice President of Commerce Partnerships at NBC Universal who explains all the ways that they're connecting viewers with shopping experiences. Whether consumers are reading a blog or streaming their favorite reality TV show, Evan says they are able to capture that already engaged audience and bring a seamless interactive shopping experience straight to their device. He also touches on what he sees as the future of shopping on connected devices and how it's actually not just going to be shopping, but a pure form of entertainment. Plus, are you a brand right now thinking, okay, how can I get on TV? I wanna be part of this shoppable experience. Well, tune in and hear exactly how you can play in this world, no matter your company size. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide and we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. Before we get into the episode, I would love it if you could hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review. I really wanna know what you think and hear how we're doing. All right, on to the interview. Hey there, and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org. Today on the show, we have Evan Moore, who currently serves as the Vice President of Commerce Partnerships at NBC Universal. Evan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Stephanie. So excited to be here. Me too. I'm very excited to have another media property on our podcast within a media company. It's like Inception. I love it. <laughs> so before we jump into your current role at NBC, I was hoping you could go through a bit of your background because I saw you worked at places like Goop and Ticketmaster. And I have a lot sure. of questions, starting with how close are you with Gwyneth Paltrow? 
<laughs> Great question. So yeah, so I've been working uh, largely in a, in a digital product capacity for something like 13 or 14 years now. I really forget how old I am. And if I think about it too much, it makes me sad. But at a lot of different companies, both big and small, um, from you know being employee number 25 at a, at a company like Beauty Counter, which is a, um, a really amazing direct-to-consumer clean beauty company that was uh, recently the Carlyle Group took a majority stake in them for over for almost two billion dollars. Um, wow. Yeah, joined them as the first technology hire and, and scaled up their their product and development team as, as they grew. Um, or you know, larger companies like Ticketmaster, uh, where I really oversaw their commerce platform, which is the the series of services and APIs uh, that they use to not only power commerce experiences on their own uh, applications and, and mobile apps, but also on third-party uh, sites and applications like Facebook and Spotify, really injecting commerce directly into uh, music experiences on those platforms. Uh, and then, yeah, most recently, uh, heading up digital product for Goop. I came there at a formative time uh, in the company when they were rather small. They had just taken some venture funding and were sitting around 40 or 45 employees and uh, was along for a wild ride as we scaled uh, both their audience and, and to a massive degree, uh, their e-commerce business around, you know, their own private label brands, but also around a really uh, successful multi-brand strategy within their marketplace. All of those experiences share in common kind of this overlap between content and commerce, right? Really looking at how you can deeply uh, and seamlessly integrate a, a commerce experience uh, into a high quality content experience and turn an audience into customers. And that's really what I've been brought to do over here at NBC Universal at scale is to apply those the same set of strategies and insights um, to the, you know, the world's highest quality portfolio of premium content. You know, the stat that we always like to throw around here at NBC Universal is that in any given four weeks, we reach you know, somewhere around 95% of US homes, right? Wow. Um, so there, there isn't a bigger stage on which uh, to put all of those uh, learnings to play. And I'm really excited to, to be here and to have been here for the past two and a half years. And then to answer your question, there was a period of time for somewhere close to a year where uh, I directly reported to, to, to Gwen, so. Okay, so you were basically besties. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> totally besties. Uh, I'm sure she'll call me later today to ask some advice about something, yeah. Yep, for sure. Oh my gosh, I love that. So throughout your career, was there a point when you're like, shoppable commerce, like we have to do that? And if so, like what has been holding it back? Because I feel like it's been talked about for... I, don't know, I would say maybe at least five to 10 years, people have been saying this needs to be implemented. Yeah. But then it seems like it's been really slow to actually catch up. Even now I'm thinking of Instagram. I'm like still just getting there where I can actually find something on certain people's pages and actually buy it. But it still feels a little janky. Yeah, no, no. I, I think that there was a few different experiences in sequence uh, that slowly crept up on me. You know, first was, was definitely my time over at Beauty Counter and seeing how uh, important the message uh, around the product was was to actually driving expansion of that business, and largely, you know, their message was delivered uh, word of mouth. You know, mm -hmm. they they work with a large network of independent consultants that um, come into your home and and tell you about why beauty counter and clean beauty is something that matters. Um, but that went from word of mouth to uh, to a very viral digital message really effectively, and I got to watch that drive uh, the revenue of that company in a really meaningful way. And then, you know, kind of in a contrast to that. Working at a place like Ticketmaster, one of the top three most uh, derided companies in the U.S., I got to see how uh, passionate people were about music, about mm -hmm. the content, um, and and also then from more of a strategic perspective to see how impactful being able to drive commerce off platform within the context of where that music is happening was to Ticketmaster's business. 
and, and to see how big of a part of its business and a growing part of its business it was. And then right after that, to be brought into a world like Goop, you know, uh, a, a newsletter that I had seen my wife read for years mm -hmm. and to really kind of have that idea of, of what it was and then to get a look under the hood and see the massive business that was being built on the strength of uh, that audience and the connection that Goop and, and Gwyneth had to that audience and, and the authority and authenticity they had in that space. Uh, and then to see the flywheel effect that they were able to drive by you know, making product recommendations to those, uh, to those audience members, driving them to actually try those products out and experience value from them, which then increased uh, their loyalty and their uh, trust that they put in that brand and that content. Um, so, you know, it wasn't ever just this one big aha moment, uh, but more this gradual realization that content and, and authenticity and connection uh, and audience are so much more powerful drivers of creating a, a sustainable, profitable commerce business, more so than I think a lot of the existing tactics that are, that are out there in the marketplace around bottom of funnel, data-fueled retargeting or algorithmic product recommendation, which are a lot of tactics that really just uh, tell you what you already know you want, mm -hmm. as opposed to inspire you to decide what you should do next and, and what you should try out or discover next. And you know, today, I think we're at a bit of a convergence moment that is finally coming together. You know, People have been waiting for shoppable television to happen since the 1970s. There was mm -hmm. a, a platform called The Cube that was like premiered at a world fair and where you actually use like a connected remote to buy things from your TV. And to kind of answer your question of, of why it's taken so long to actually start to become a thing, there's just a lot of complexities at play. Anytime that you're doing something on television, you're, you're talking about production company, distribution uh, companies, talent, and then a retail partner and getting all of those parties to align to produce a piece of content organically and authentically inspire somebody to purchase a product that is then available to be purchased at that time, that's a complicated uh, mm -hmm. problem. There's been a lot of things that have been changing, uh, a lot of things around like the speed of production uh, timelines, the availability of products across uh, the country through you know, e-commerce uh, vendors, the quick payment methods where users have credit card methods that are stored in a common place that can be accessed by different digital platforms. And then also machine learning and, and computer vision algorithms that can actually identify products within, uh, within visual mediums. Like all of those things are starting to come together along with users' expectations of being able to interact with and shop from content wherever they see it, mm -hmm. right? So they've become used to being able to buy things first off of blogs and, and now off of uh, platforms, social platforms with video and interactive video. And now they're, they're getting acclimated to the idea that they should be able to interact with and purchase products wherever they encounter them, regardless whether it's a small screen or a big screen. Wow, it's a lot of things at play. I'm even imagining you know, product placement being dynamically swapped where, you know, one second, one brand has their product in there and maybe six months later, there's reruns and there's a new one in there. Maybe we're not there yet, but <laughs> like, it seems like there's a lot of things that could be done. Yeah. I mean, there's just a universe of possibilities. One thing that I, I talk about a lot is that I think there's kind of two phases to this. The first phase being where we try to layer commerce on top of the content we're already creating. Mm -hmm. and identify those organic moments where it makes sense to drive a, a shopping experience versus the next phase, which is, okay, now we have a tool set of, of shopping in the same way we have uh, music and casting and, and setting. What does that change about the type of content we make? What sort of shoppable entertainment will we create now that we know that a consumer 
or a viewer can actually purchase a thing they're seeing on screen right in that moment. Mm-hmm. How do you identify a shoppable experience? Because I mean, if you guys are reaching 95% of America, you have a lot of content going out. How do you go in and figure out, okay, this is a good scene or piece of content or series. It's got a good audience there willing to shop. Like walk me through how you all think about that. Yeah. I mean, that's really the place where we're experimenting a lot right now. You know, uh, we've, we've got a super flexible platform that lets us drive commerce moments that are contextual to the scene that you're watching, that are directly driven by a, a piece of content that is actually talking about the product, right? There's a, a lot of uh, shows that we put up that feature segments, whether it's the Today Show or Daily Pop on E! or, or even some of our shows on Telemundo, where, you know, shopping segments are entertainment to our consumers. And that's a great opportunity to both recommend a product and drive a purchase directly from there. But then there's been some other uh, opportunities like what we've done with Sewing Down South uh, on Bravo, where the actual uh, members of that cast have their own products and brands that they're interacting with as part of the storyline of the show, right? Mm-hmm. And those are amazing contextual moments to then say, you're already a viewer that loves this show and, and loves uh, Craig Conover. Why not take out your phone, scan, and, and, and find out about his, his product line from Sewing Down South? Uh, and we're exploring every kind of uh, piece of content within that spectrum. And then again, saying, okay, now that we can actually uh, drive a shopping experience from content, how should that change the format of the show? Should we create shows that are specifically uh, developed with that in mind? And, and that's been a really fun place to be right now. And it, even though this is a concept that's been talked about for, for 40 years, you know, the, the two modes of shoppable entertainment we have right now haven't really changed over that time, whether it's, you know, a QVC driven uh, experience or, or now what you're seeing uh, with live stream shopping on a lot of different social platforms. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like the education piece and pulling consumers, you know, up with what's like how to actually shop. I'm even thinking like what I know how to shop. It's like the QR code when it came out or scanning menus. And I remember just last month, my mom came out and she's like, what do I do? Do I download an app? Do I do this? And I'm like, yeah, that was probably me just, like, you know, six months ago or something. So, I mean, is like, how do you think about the experience for the consumer? Like, how do they even know how to interact? Or are you specifically telling them multiple times throughout the programming, like what to do? Yeah, no, that, that the education piece is actually super important. We've, we've, we've activated it enough times uh, mm-hmm. that we, we do know that we have to introduce the concept to the, to the user, uh, at least in those initial couple of activations to, to the same audience, right? Over time, frequency is really important. Building that, uh, that behavior with the, the audience that you're reaching with that same uh, IP is super important. And we do see that over time, we see you know, larger response rates uh, from being able to train consumers to know that when a code pops up, it's easy enough to just take your phone out and point the camera at it. I have to say, you know, with Shoppable TV, we've been working on this and been out in market with this dating back to, to 2019 before the pandemic set in. Mm-hmm. But the proliferation of uh, QR code scanning for menus and any other touchless experience in the real world has been a huge help in actually ed- educating the public on how to use this interface. And now there's, you know, you've seen a lot of people talking in the press about how after many years, it is now finally the year of the QR code. And yep. the response rates we see from shoppable TV activations, they are far above any sort of other interactive television, uh, either ad units or, uh, or in-content capabilities that we've experimented with across different platforms. Well, I'd love to dive into the experiments you're running, maybe some of the craziest ones you've run where, you know, your team's like, don't do it, don't do it, it's not going to work, or, you know, ones that you didn't think would work and actually did, just to kind of hear what you guys are really doing behind the scenes. 
Sure. So, you know, across the board, we've seen just amazing results from all the different ways in which we, we activate content with the, the one platform commerce set of capabilities. Uh, when it comes to, you know, shoppable TV, either in show or out of show, you know, we're driving uh, conversion rates that are, you know, close to 3%, around 2.6% across the board, uh, which is, yeah, it's, it's pretty fantastic, especially for a first time impression with the brand or a product. You know, that's a really, that's a really high conversion rate at a really healthy average order values. Similarly, you know, we, we've seen incredible response rates from some shoppable rich media units that we developed where you can actually shop directly from what would be a standard ad unit without ever leaving uh, the NBC content experience. Those have performed 10x compared to uh, normal uh, rich media units that aren't integrated with a cart. I, in terms of trying to think about things that we've tried uh, that have been more of a learning experience mm-hmm. rather than uh, a huge success, when we first started this journey out, way back in late 2018, going into 2019, uh, we launched a, a site called Shop with Golf. And Shop with Golf, if I was going to describe it as anything, was like a goop for golf. A lifestyle content destination that also featured uh, a marketplace of really fantastic golf-oriented retailers that were all kind of the apparel and home goods space. And you know, the learning that we had from that is that we created some amazing content. We started to generate some scale around a user base, but doing that around a completely brand new property and trying to generate both an audience and a marketplace around it at the same mm. time uh, was really expensive and, digi- and, yeah. and difficult to do, right? It's like Which, creating two of the hardest never... things, an audience and a marketplace, two of the hardest things you can do in commerce. <laughs> exactly. At the same time, when, as I referenced earlier in the call, we're already reaching 95% of US homes. Mm-hmm. So we are effectively you know, purchasing that audience again or having to reach that audience again when we're already reaching them from a place and a voice that they trust, love, and are used to consuming, right? And so the, the lesson we took from that was instead of bringing users to where commerce is, let's bring commerce to where the audience is. And so we built NBC Universal Checkout and, and are utilizing Shoppable TV in much the same way to drive just a seamless purchase experience wherever our audience already is, and then finding super contextual ways to align the shopping experience with their content. Yeah. What is the easiest, I guess, like meshed experience right now? Like what kind of content is doing best with the shoppable experience, because I keep hearing about, you know, it needs to be authentic content, even like, you know, low produced TikTok style. Like they don't, consumers right now are okay with that and buying from that. What are y'all seeing at NBC? Totally. Yeah. It it does come down to the audience trusting the voice Mm -hmm. that the the content is coming from, right? Or there's two different ways, right? There's, they need to either trust that person. uh, And we've seen so much success as an organization from Jill Martin and what she does over at the Today Show, which she'll steal some deals. Similarly, uh, we work together with uh, a wonderful talent named Liliana Vasquez that runs a segment called Deals for Real as part of uh, E-Online. And both of those uh, segments have just been so uh, fantastic at building a loyal user base that comes there regularly and trusts the recommendations that are being made to them. And then on, you know, on the flip side, we really need to lean in to what we're already doing every day with our content, which is inspiring discovery. A common thing we hear from users all the time is that when they're watching our shows or even our commercials, they're inspired to purchase products mm-hmm. and we make it so hard for them to do that, right? If they see something on a TV show, an outfit, a pair of shoes, or you know, a, a, something in the home, they're left to their own devices to go do a web search, click on mm-hmm. a sponsored link, land on an e-commerce site, think about buying the product and then maybe get retargeted on a social channel before they finally convert, right? When we've already inspired that, that moment and we can, we can through technology drive that transaction right there at that moment of inspiration and show the value to the retail brand that we've actually delivered through our content, our advertising. 
Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it should be an experience where everything can be shoppable. I don't know if it eventually can get there. Because I think about back in the day, we'll say maybe every TV show, like Gilmore Girls and all those kind of things, there was entire blogs to show where every single outfit came from. And to me, that was like the perfect point of the market wants this. The market is trying to create this right now, but it's not just tagging, you know, you can have this item here or this one. It's like a lot of times people wanted the entire scene and be able to just have it, you know, right then and there. Is that kind of what you guys are thinking about too? I mean, philosophically, I think we're at an inflection point where the consumer expectation is that all television should be interactive. Yeah. Right. We're all now, at least the majority of us are viewing our TV on digitally connected screens. And we have uh, remotes that we're routinely using to interact with the experience on that screen. And when we watch programming today, if we see a scene, we want to find out which actor is in it or where the scene was shot. We can press pause, scroll around, figure that information out. Uh, and I think that that expectation from consumers is only going to grow. And they're, you know, the desire to be able to interact with a piece of content, find out more about it, bring a piece of it into their home. That's not only going to be a consumer desire, but the ability to execute on that is going to be a competitive advantage in a way that you actually deliver more value to consumers to your content. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. I also see devices, like being able to interact anywhere. You're watching something on TV, you should pull something up on your phone, you know, have it in the yeah. same spot, be able to find it, talk to Alexa, order me this. Like, I mean, it seems like there's so many devices now, but there has to be some kind of synergy between all of them. So you don't always have to, you know, find where you left off and find the website and open whatever app you're watching it in. It's a careful balance between the consumer expect- expectation to be known wherever mm-hmm. they're, they're interacting versus their desire for, for privacy to, and yeah. to opt in to that knowledge, right? And that's something that we're super sensitive about with everything that we build because you know there's a, a way in which data can be really amazing and can be uh, super additive to a consumer experience and then a way in which it can really destroy trust. Yeah, yeah. We had on a guest, Dom Holland from Fast. I was thinking, you know, him talking about identity and they're like, they're going to be the source for that and then one-click payments and... It seems like the perfect, you know, mix for something like NBC where someone gets on there and they're looking and being like, yep, you already know me. I'm ready to pay. It's a quick thing. So watching my show. How do you all think about making that frictionless experience and incorporating technologies to help with that? Absolutely. So the name of the game for us is, is seamless purchase, right? Uh, consumers are absolutely tired of, of entering, entering payment details as they go from one site to another. There's really been a consolidation around both identity platforms and payment wallets. With NBC Universal Checkout, we are tightly partnered actually with PayPal uh, okay. as a big provider, okay. both of our, our payment processing uh, and also the usage of, of the PayPal button, which 
By the way, for all of the new quick payment methods that are out there, PayPal is still by far yeah. the most widely used quick payment method on the web. And that's yeah. something that we've seen bear out in a big way, especially for our mobile, mobile users. And so PayPal has been a fantastic partner there. And I think that there's a massive consumer desire for that same ease of transaction that they encounter on the web and within their mobile apps to transition to places like TV when they're actually interacting with content on television. And that's, you know, that's a wild, wild west, something that has not really been developed to any sort of a degree. I, I don't think those actual design patterns exist for mm -hmm. what that should look like on a television device. And so it's, it's a really complex area to explore, but that just means there's so much value to unlock there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how I would imagine interacting with that. I'm like, do I want to just click, click, click and save it maybe to actually think uh -huh. about it for later? Or do I want the one click buy? I actually don't know what I want. <laughs> I, one thing's for certain is you don't want to use your remote to enter a credit card. I don't know if you've ever had yeah. to do oh. that, but it's kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. Even entering in Wi-Fi details, that was enough for me to almost give up and be like, <laughs> I just don't need a TV. I guess that's what it comes down to. So yeah. if I'm a brand, I mean, how big do I have to be to interact with, you know, NBC's one commerce platform? Like how can my brand be yeah. offered, you know, to show up in these programming? That's a great question. So one of the best parts of what we've built here is that it's a platform and an opportunity that is suitable for a brand, no matter their size, right? So we currently have over 150 retail brands in our, our marketplace network for, for NBC Universal Checkout. And they vary in size from, you know, very large retailers to, uh, you know, direct-to-consumer companies uh, that maybe have a, a product catalog of, of five to 10 products. And actually mm -hmm. having that variety of sizes and product assortment brands on the platform itself is extremely important for what we're building because that enables us uh, to develop content for different audiences that's authentic to that audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and actually to drive discovery for consumers, right? To serve as a curator for bringing uh, new products and brands into their homes. And then we're developing media products on top of, of that capability across our different digital touch points and even into linear that are accessible. For those brands. So we're, we're working with brands, 97% of which have never done anything with NBC Universal through our, our one platform commerce offerings. We have some really great NBC Universal brands that we've worked with for years that are also partnering with us through those commerce capabilities. Uh, and that just shows the flexibility and the power of the, of the platform to really open the market up uh, and go beyond just the traditional brands that we have joining the upfront every year. Yeah, that's great. I mean, especially when you're thinking about the world right now, it's D to C everything. Everyone wants the newest, the coolest thing to be able to actually feature those brands on a, yeah. you know, trendy episode with the, you know, bits, toothpaste bites or something where everyone's like, well, what are those toothpaste things in a glass jar? Yeah. What are they doing with that? Like that showcases not only the brand, but also you guys as like forward thinking, you know, product first type of people where you're showcasing cool stuff. Like you said, you're the content curators, the product curators for your audience. I mean... That's, exactly. That's it's kind of the best of both worlds right now, because on a lot of social platforms, you discover a whole bunch of new brands, but which ones of them should you trust, mm -hmm. right? Is that, is that ad that you're seeing and buying from actually coming from some sort of a, a dropship aggregator who is sending you something from a, a factory somewhere part of the world that you're not super happy about the quality of the product that actually gets delivered within DC Universal? Like you can really trust our voice and know that we're, we're going to care about the quality of the products and the brands that we, we show you through our content. How does a brand think about it, you know, when it gets outside the U.S.? Because I think your content's consumed basically everywhere in That's the world, right. from what I know, mostly everywhere. So how should a brand be thinking about that? Because, you know, how they're probably pitching it here is very different than in Europe and even 
the UK, maybe a little bit. That's different. right. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, within our suite of capabilities, some of them are perfectly uh, activatable for a global audience, right? So with Shoppable TV, we've activated in Europe, we've actually activated in Africa for some brands. Last year, we did a great campaign with Farfetch that was both in the US and in, and in Europe. And in that case, it, it is a lot easier to reach a global audience because we can drive into a, a transaction experience that's catered towards the compliance restrictions and, and different tax implications of shopping in a global market. With NBC Universal Checkout, it is purely a, a domestic offering, uh, but there's definitely aspirations to take that to, to a global audience and a global set of brands in the future. And we do you know, keep an eye on, on what's going on in globally so that we can build a platform that is ready mm-hmm. to, to meet that global opportunity at some point in the future. Like, What should a brand expect if they come on your platform? Are there big surges in orders? Do brands come back and they're like, wow, I wasn't ready for this? Or you know, what happens behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, behind the scenes, there's a, a really uh, deep connection between my team, uh, the Commerce Partnerships team, and the actual brand. And we, we find for the brands opportunities within the portfolio to be featured in their content. A lot of the brands that we work with comment that even outside of the revenue that we're able to drive for them, just the, the uh, integration into storytelling and the association that they get with the NBCU brand is, is so valuable to them, right? So we're definitely working with brands multiple times through different parts of the portfolio. You know, we can expose them through a show and e online, and then and expose them to a whole new audience through Telemundo the next month. And you know, the brands that we work with have been super happy uh, to work with us, and really excited about finding even deeper ways to collaborate. How can they keep us in in tune with the the new products that they have uh, coming down the pipe? How can we keep them abreast of of what new content we're developing in the future, and then find those really you know organic moments to to make those two things overlap? Cool. So the one thing I like to ask about is always around attribution, because I feel like it's such a sticky area and, you know, the world's changing so quickly. How do you all go about handling that, especially from a TV perspective? How do you show a brand, you know, this actually came from here and, you know, here's yeah, what you yeah. expect? <laughs> I mean, you know, being NBC Universal, we're sitting on top of, you know, decades of research around how our, our different media properties can actually drive both traffic, revenue, and results for our partners. And then added to that with, with Shoppable TV, it's a new level of, of direct and deterministic attribution that is just a layer on top of that, right? We can directly show uh, for the first time consumers going from watching a TV show into a transactable experience on their phone without having them have to type in a URL with some sort of special you know, code that goes along with it. So we really can show that we've driven transaction right at that moment of inspiration. Similarly, across any of our digital platforms, we're not just sending you leads, right? We, we are sending you customers and orders. Uh, there is no chance for um, misattribution of the customer that we've just sent you. And in fact, we can disambiguate all other uh, marketing sources so that you can really uh, show the revenue that we've driven absent of anything else in your marketing mix. Uh, and that really allows us to, to just show the value of our content and our, our media in a way that you know, none of our other technologies have ever really let us do. That's awesome. It seems like a lot of advertising is going to change because of this you know, easy experience. It's going to you know, come probably in the next couple of years, I would say. What yeah. forms of advertising do you think are going to start to die or what things are going to change, especially around maybe TV that you're like, the world just doesn't know it yet? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think especially with IDFA coming into play, uh, I, I do think you're going to see more and more content platforms and publishers start to close transaction on property and, and create closed ecosystems around both their data and the actual consumer experience. Uh, because those are going to be the contexts in which data can actually be put to, to use in a way that consumers find useful, 
that they feel safe about and that is actually effective versus uh, what might have to happen with third-party data collections uh, in the way that we've seen uh, audience targeting work in the past. Right? So I do expect that we'll, we'll see, we're not gonna be the first ones that are launching a platform like NBC Universal Checkout uh, and that are, that are building in context uh, shopping experiences through their, through their content. And uh, you know, given the success that social platforms are having in the same way, you know, I, I think that we're gonna see consumers overall just become much more acclimated over time to the, to the idea of purchasing right on platform when they're seeing the content, especially if it's from a brand that they trust or a voice that they trust. And especially if it's using, you know, a payment methods that they're familiar with like PayPal, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, can also establish trust and, and, and understanding that they're actually going to be protected in that purchase. Yeah, I, I wonder at a certain point, I mean, if consumers are going to get burned out with all these platforms everywhere, you know, gated platforms to get into, because it seems like every brand is turning into a media company. Every media company is turning into a brand and, you know, the lines are definitely kind of blurring, but then I hear, I mean, a lot of brands come on here and they're like, we're creating the next Netflix. And I totally get it. I'm like, you Mm -hmm. want that first party data. You want to be able to make sure you, you know, have all the insights there, but at a certain point, how many Netflixes of the world can we have where consumers are bouncing around, logging in, paying for a bunch of different things in a very like distributed type system. I mean, what do you think that should look like or how will that even operate? I think the important thing there is to, is to lean into your strengths as a company, right? So um, integrating with common uh, identity platforms is really key, right? Mm-hmm. So that consumers' identity can be portable and they can log in with you know a login system that they're used to using on other sites. Uh, same thing with payment technologies, right? Don't make them have to put a new credit card in or, or force them to choose a payment system that they're not familiar with. Uh, so that they feel like they're they're having to establish, you know, their customer profile on every single place that they go to, and then lean into where you are differentiated. And for us, that's for premium content. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we're not scared of anybody else that wants to try to get into this game because we know that the content in the audience is the hardest part. Yeah, and we've yeah. been doing that for over a hundred years and doing it better than anybody else. Yeah, I oftentimes think brands should be going and creating premium content. I mean, how do you think they that's should right. be partnering with big, you know, media agencies? to actually have a good mix where it is organic and authentic. It's something that someone wants to watch, but it's also helping the brand. I mean, how should that relationship be approached? Because sometimes you see it working really well, like Formula One. And then other other times you're like, oh, that's too much. You're pitching me too much. And I actually lost sight of what this series was even about. Yeah, you know, I I think you might've seen the recent announcement from Josh Feldman, my boss and our our CMO, that NBC is here to partner with brands to tell Mm -hmm. stories. And at the end of the day, uh, what's going to be most effective is... Uh, the quality of the story that you're telling and the authenticity of that story. And I think NBCU is very well positioned to, to help brands identify what about their story resonates most with audiences, um, to guide them through the process of telling that, that in, in a high quality fashion and doing it as a form of entertainment, right? In a way that audiences want to see. And we, can, we see that bear out all over the place. I, you know, consumers don't mind being sold if they actually find the process entertaining and if mm-hmm. they actually find the product that they end up with valuable and something that's additive to their lives, they actually find that to be a, a great experience. That is what they want. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. So what are some of the things you're most excited about right now at NBC? Like what brands, what piece of content, like what are y'all doing? Give me the scoop. So I, I won't get super specific. I, I can say that I'm really excited about BravoCon, which is Bravo's, uh, it'll be their second ever uh, BravoCon that they're doing out of the Javits Center. And I'll just, I'll say that there's going to be a, a really exciting commerce component to that. 
there's some new programming coming up that's you know more in in line with the shoppable entertainment that I'm describing, where we're really understanding what we can do with content now that we can drive shopping. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I don't think I can quite say more uh, than that. And then I can say that I'm extremely excited about our partnership with Facebook and Instagram. So as we announced uh, at the 121 event earlier this year, we uh, have a first of its kind partnership with Facebook and Instagram, where as a major publisher, we're going to be able to create shoppable content, including stories, posts, reels, using their drops feature, for example, all featuring the products from our retail partners in the marketplace, which yeah. is something that's that's unique to NBC in our unit, in our partnership with Facebook and Instagram. And super excited what we can do there. We're reaching hundreds of millions of consumers and, and fans through through our handles on those platforms. How many handles do you have like on Instagram? Dozens. Dozens. <laughs> I think we just created a new one right now. So what kind of content are you guys creating and what are the results? I mean, like how are you making Sure. convert really well. I'm sure everyone's like, I want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So our first piece of content on Instagram is going to roll out later this quarter. Okay. Uh, and so we'll really, we'll get a lot of feedback there and, and see what that's like. And, you know, at this point, we're open to experimentation. It's, it's a brand new green field for us. We want to try a whole bunch of different things, but I don't think we have enough data right now to say what's going to work on that platform uh, yep. and, and what's not. So we're really excited to find out. And, you know, I, I also have, have just been informed that I can talk about the fact that uh, later this year, we're actually going to be launching an amazing program in the USA Network called America's Big Deal, where we're actually mm. going to be using our suite of shoppable capabilities directly integrated to drive live sales as part of the show, which will then determine uh, which contestants on the show actually make it to uh, the next part of the episode. Oh, fun. That sounds something that could be slightly addicting, but I'm excited <laughs> to watch it. All right. Well, let's shift over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I send a question your way and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you had a podcast, what would it be about and who would your first guest be? And you've got the network, oh, wow. so you essentially can get anyone. That's a great question. If I had a podcast, I, I think it would be about kind of what's coming up in the future. Right. So I'm, I'm a big futurist uh, myself. I, I'm always, I just finished reading a book called Space Barons about the big space race. I'm a huge, getting really into the metaverse uh, mm -hmm. right now and, and, you know, in, in brain interface technology and things like that. And, you know, yeah. all of those things get me really super excited in terms of who my first guest would be about any of those subjects, you know, that would be great. He's a very divisive character, but I'd love to talk to Elon Musk. I knew you were going to say that. You, I'm like, brain it. interface, space. You want Elon Musk. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Just, you know, he's, he's depicted uh, a lot of different ways in the media. would love to understand what he actually thinks and who he actually is. What's one thing you don't understand today, but you wish you did? I think, you know, I would love to understand more about uh, cryptocurrency and what makes it work or not work. One, because I've just seen a lot of contemporaries uh, make a whole lot of money off of something that seems completely obtuse to me. Uh, mm -hmm. and two, it, but when I really dig into it and start to understand the core fundamentals of it, it does seem like something really, really exciting, especially when it extends into the world of like NFTs and, and what you can do with, with ownership around, uh, digital goods. Yeah, completely agree. NFTs still trying to figure that one out fully. I <laughs> feel like there's uses there, but because it exploded so quickly and there were so many things happening yeah. really quickly, I think people are like, shoo, I'm past that wave now. We already, we already figured it out onto the next one. <laughs> exactly. It'll come back. What's up next on your reading list? 
I actually just got a book called that I'm sure you're familiar with Ready Player One. Yeah. It's been around for about a decade now that I, I uh, had seen the movie before, but caught another show of it when I was on a plane recently and uh, just really wanted to dig into the book, which I've heard is, is always uh, is a lot better than the actual movie itself. So I just picked that up. And then I bought another book that's called uh, Blockchain Chicken Farm, uh, okay. which is it's about the impact of uh, technology on rural China hmm. and looking forward to diving into that. Oh, I'll have to check that one out. I love, well, the audience already knows I love blockchain, Bitcoin. I will talk about that all day. I try and bring it up in every interview and only <laughs> very, very few people bite. So <laughs> I'll take a bite out. for sure. Yeah, I'll bite. All right. And the last one, when you want to get creative, what do you do? Yeah. So I, I like to listen to music. I, you know, I, I tend to, if I'm getting really creative, I tend to go down a rabbit hole of research mm-hmm. and I like to work visually. So I, you know, I, I play a lot in uh, platforms like Lucidchart or Figma as just a way of, of starting to cut and paste my way towards an idea. And that it usually ends up uh, being how I communicate my ideas as well. Amazing. All right, Evan, it's been a blast having you on such a fun and different conversation. Where can people find out more about you and NBC Universal and the brands that you're partnering with? Sure. Uh, so you can check out the one platform commerce set of tools and anything to do with NBC Universal, check out our shoppable TV at together.nbcuniversal.com. I believe it's the, the, the site, the NBC Universal Together site. Uh, and then you can find out more about me. I'm, I'm on Twitter at Evo Moore, E-V-O-M-O-R-E. Amazing. But this has been so great. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It was a blast. listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.